I forgot. I also met John Kasich, and that was not. I did not clam up around him. He was a presidential candidate. That's a big deal. That's big time, Laura. He asked me if I wanted a photo with him. Like I was just standing there at the Hamlet Grand Hotel, and he's like, "Oh, are you waiting for me? Do you want a photo?" And I was waiting. Brian Kelly, my boss at the time, was having dinner with him. And so I was just waiting for Brian. And I was like, oh. No. I, I guess. <laughs> I was like, I, I guess we could. I, I was just waiting for the lieutenant governor. And his face just like fell. Like I wasn't like in line waiting for. <laughs> that might sum up the whole, that might sum up the whole campaign right there. Uh, right. Anyway, this is the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. What? <laughs> you can't do that because you're... you're that doesn't make sense. That's at the end. You're, you're Why the would end that of come a conversation first? That, <laughs> I'm fine throwing Laura under the bus and having that be the intro. That's totally fine with me. That makes no Every sense time. at all. Have you prepared what you're going to say for the, the intro since you're part of the intro now? We're doing a new oh. intro? Yes, we have to do an intro. Your Are face. you prepared? Why? God, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Aww. Season three, you got to be in it. That's probably what it was. So you already did it. It's already done. Intro <laughs> 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 over. Welcome to Cold Oatmeal, a podcast by the Rush Strategies team about PR and public affairs. Really. I was distracted staring at Joe's cold oatmeal. Yeah, well, it's here. He's got it on his. It's, on his it's desk always right here. here. It's always here. And by the way, the, the the ratio of like fruit to disgusting is like one to ten. I mean, it's got some disgusting stuff and some fruit. Yeah, there's like nothing disgusting. One part fruit. What's, what what in there is disgusting? I don't even know what's in it. But it, it looks like cucumber mash and maybe a couple of chopped apples. Did you have Burger King for breakfast? What was your say that? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. You are listening to the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, this is Matt Resch of the Resch Strategies team. We are a public affairs and a public relations firm headquartered in downtown Lansing, Michigan. Uh, you can find us at reschstrategies.com. We are also on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram at Resch Strategies. Um, you can always find this podcast there at our website, but it would be great if you went to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you followed us there. Uh, along with lots of stars and good reviews. So we took a week off last week. Normally we come to you every other Thursday, but you know, sometimes things like pandemics and not having a guest get in the way of that. But we are back this week with a great guest. I'm going to introduce my team that is here with me on the Zoom. Uh, we got Nick DeLue in the upper left-hand corner, Joe Beshi with his baseball bat doing his best Tom Cruise impersonation. Laura Beal, bottom bottom left of my screen. Nikki O'Meara, bottom right. And our new full-time, fresh out of Michigan State graduate, Carly Buell. Welcome, Carly. Your f first podcast as a full-time Rush Strategies team member. So exciting. So exciting. And because of the miracles of Zoom, our guest, oh our guest is dialing in right now. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Perfect timing. Oh. oh, wow. She's oh, outside. She's got a outside. I'm jealous. Yes. In the world of uh, in the world of two people trying to work from home, if you need peace and quiet, 
Go outside. Uh, you must seek a pleasant peninsula. This is awesome because we haven't told anyone who you are yet. And so maybe <laughs> we should just go on talk as long and see if we can have people like tweet in and see how long it takes for someone to guess who it is we're actually talking to. Hmm. <laughs> how long Let's do you think that would see. take? Oh, should I, should I start giving clues? You should. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I covered the legislature as a reporter for three years with an accent did you cover it with an accent like that <laughs> yeah. oh absolutely oh matt you know me well enough by now to know nearly everything i do is done in accent form or singing it's either show tunes or accents that's but, why we, that's why we knew we had to have you on yeah so before we continue <laughs> it was three years between the years of transitioning from Granholm to Snyder. Those were the years. John Selleck is tweeting in his answer right now. He knows who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he would. Well, let so, me, uh, I will, let me I just introduce myself. I I'll don't know. Do, let me do that. I'm the host here. You have your own okay. show. <laughs> I will do this. Um, <laughs> On our on the podcast today is Laura Weber Davis. That is that is the voice you heard, whatever accent that might have been. Laura is with us. She is the executive producer of Stateside, and Stateside is a daily radio show covering the stories of the state capital, uh, culture, business, and more uh, for the state of Michigan. It's on the public radio. It's on Michigan Public Radio. Uh, you can follow Laura at Laura Weber Davis on Twitter. And I got to know. She mentioned in her in her. Uh, little clue there that's when I got to meet Laura was when we worked together in the legislature she was covering it for the Michigan radio network I was working as a press flack on the house republican caucus side and that's where we got to know each other and this is one of this is one of the blessings if there's a blessing of the pandemic it's that for three years we've tried to get you on this podcast and because you're in Ann Arbor and you can't come up these land can't ever make it up to Lansing we couldn't make it happen but now you're on your back porch we're all wherever Lovely. we are and you've made it. Yes. Thank you for having me. Finally. It's so good to have you. I have to, I was thinking this morning as I was putting these notes together that one of the very last things I did before we all had to go home for three months was come see you guys in Ann Arbor to do the show. It was right before the Michigan primary. Yeah. It was already starting to get weird. Right. And then you it walked in the door and just made it weirder. I know. I know. It was all done. <laughs> I thought we could pull you know. through until we got to that show, and then it was all. It was I can't all. believe I wasn't wearing my mask yet. Gosh, that was weird. They're lucky I've made it this far. Yeah. Hey, congratulations! By the way, thank I, you. I saw there on the Facebooks that you had a uh, a promotion. Yes. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really a dream come true in a lot of ways. I really, um, I love. I loved reporting. There's no question about that. It was fun. It's a different type of grind. But I think um, where I'm happiest professionally is thinking about storytelling in its large form and uh, the, at the macro level rather than um, just the daily writing and reporting. So it's, it's been really cool. Cool. Yes. Executive producer. That's very cool. Before we get into it, and because I, I know we got some questions, I did want to show you, I, I have here and no one can, who's listening can see this, but I do have your souvenir cold oatmeal mug. Another, oh. ble another blessing of the pandemic is that because none of our guests have been able, we've never been able to see any of them, our mug budget is doing really well because <laughs> we, have, we have more mugs. We don't have to hand them out. But if we ever do so, see them. We are mug people at our house. 
here's Sleeping Bear Dunes. Very My nice. husband's going to be just delighted to know that we will add a third tier to our stacked mugs in our, um, in our cupboard because we just don't have enough room. See, uh, here's the, the thing about the our cold mugs. Oatmeal, does the cold oatmeal mug go above or below the 38 different off-the-record mugs you've collected? Look, I'll just say above, but okay, you, do, you won't know. Nobody will know the truth on that All one. Right. Joe, did you have a mug comment you were going to make? Yeah, I was going to say, have you not been sending these out to our guests? Have you been not not doing that for these people? I have not Do I just get doing... a picture? I can send, oh my gosh. I can send you a picture of the mug, sure. <laughs> Done. <laughs> you can cut it out. So I wanted to ask you, you are the producer of a, a big time radio show, a daily show, which sounds daunting to me because trying to pull this together every whenever we figure it out is ridiculous. I can't try imagine trying to do it every day. But I wanted to ask you walk us through what your daily life was like before this pandemic and how has doing your job been different? Um, you know, I think like just about any office setting where you're working with multiple people, our day starts with meetings. In our case, it's editorial meetings, figuring out what stories we need to cover for the day and who we should be going after to tackle those stories uh, as guests. Um, on this show, the, the process becomes very technical because then we're recording interviews, helping our host make sure that she's prepared for the interviews and pushing the buttons to make sure that it's getting recorded in the right way. Um, and then from there, the interviews go through an editing process as far as um, making sure all of our levels sound good and uh, editing to time, because often our interviews go longer than the time budgeted for them. And then putting them in the right place in our computer system to make sure they're gonna go to broadcast. Now, that's, it's, it's a much different process to produce a show that is being produced ahead of time that is going to go on air later than when I was working on Detroit Today on WDET. Uh, that was a live daily show. So, and that, the current scramble is pretty even where it's an even keeled scramble throughout the day to get the show on air for a 3 p.m. time slot pre-produced. With Detroit Today, we are 9 a.m. live so that was basically 7 to 9 a.m. of just some of the most harried <laughs> conversations and getting it ready so that when we push the button and move the fader up and bring Stephen's voice up, we're prepared then. And then the rest of the day was kind of like kicking your feet back and kicking ideas around. Um, so it's, it's a totally different workflow. And it's, uh, as, a, as a mother of two young children... Um, it's a lot easier to manage a, a more even-keeled day, even if it, there is a lot of intensity to it as well. So that, that's, the, that's the technical, Matt. Is that what you're looking for? Well, I was, well it's, it's really nice that you brought birds with you to the podcast today. That's, it's such a, that's a nice... Oh, okay. So now you want to know what it's like during COVID. Yeah, during so COVID... You, is, so is April, <laughs> is April, is anyone in the studio? Are you yes. all doing this remotely? Or how's it all work? Yeah, we're actually... Um, so April is in, our host is in every day. And um, then we're rotating a two-week schedule right now where I am in studio with her one week and then the next week our director, Mercedes, is in studio with her doing the pushing of the buttons and the moving of the faders um, to record those conversations. So she, we're, we're on a every other week schedule right now, mostly for germ reduction. Uh, 
and Michigan radio in general has gone down to about five people in the building at any given point, and five would be a little bit um, on the on the more populated side. They're just everybody has their own studio and their own microphone and their own um, uh, desktops that nobody else touches right now. So it's it's been interesting. And then the other weeks where I'm off from being in the studio, I am in my backyard. <laughs> So is it easier or is it harder to get people to as guests on the show in this time? It's the same as far as access to people. What's been really interesting is it has forced our hand as far as, and our guests hands as far as how we're connecting. So typically we were, we would always push to have people in studio because studio quality sound is really important to us. And as you and I have negotiated along the way about what is an acceptable connection for uh, putting something together sound wise, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult technically to achieve both a good sound and, uh, and working with people's schedules, but now everybody's home and everybody's zoom. So we have figured out how to make our show good on zoom as well. And we have worked a lot with people to get them using their voice memo apps on their phones because that is about as near studio quality as we can get from just about anybody is if we can get them to record well on their own phones and then sending that to us and we overlay it with the interviews and remove the Zoom quality audio, if you're following me. We, and then we, so we slot them in where mm-hmm. the Zoom audio would be for their side. And then it sounds very close to them sitting in studio with us. And it's just, it's been an interesting struggle that we've all been really happy with because it forced us to think about how we were going to get better than cell phone tape out of all of our guests. Because after a while, listening to cell phone as a listener is extremely difficult. You don't stay with a guest for 20 minute conversation if they're on their cell phone. It's just not acceptable. So it's, it's been an interesting, but a good challenge. I've definitely noticed this podcast being the exception, how podcasts and radio shows I do listen to have improved since yeah. the time they started and how the sound quality has gotten better. Um, and you know, I can re- like the first week or two, some of the, the show I listened to the most, it was excruciating and that you could tell they were embarrassed because like their whole life. You is- said our show was excruciating. No, 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 no. You're my second, some shows, second favorite some show. This is my favorite national show. You're my favorite Michigan show. Matt, don't try and backtrack on this. Sorry. No, it was, it was, a, <laughs> it was a national show, but it was awful and they knew it was awful. And they're like, we're so sorry. We can't yeah. get this to work. But now it sounds, it sounds almost like they are all in the studio again. People had... Before people started getting upset on political extremes about what was open and what was closed and what was allowed and what wasn't, everybody was pretty much reticent to this idea. Going along with it, we're all going to be inside for a while. So we all had at least three weeks, I would say, where we were all just inside tinkering, trying to figure out how we were going to do our lives and our jobs. And I think that that space provided people with opportunities to change things both professionally and personally that have been really interesting. How was the chemistry affected? Because a lot of, if, if you're all in the room, because I always gave you credit for, you know, trying to get people there in the room with the host. And it's always been so much easier for me to do a radio interview when I'm actually there with the person. 
But if it's all remote, both the chemistry between the guest and the host, but also the chemistry between the producers and the host who aren't like, are you, are you, when you're off and you're home for the week, are you still communicating with the show as it's being, as it's being recorded or are you not? Yeah. I'm not listening in cause I can't. Okay. Um, but we are slacking all day long. We're just in this consistent messaging conversation and uh, you know, it, it's, I think why it's been a challenge has been twofold. Our, our executive producer before I was in this role, Joe got a new job right before the governor's order, the stay home order. And he was going to move back to Minnesota. So we both had to figure out as a team, how our communication was going to change just in an office in general, but then also not being together. And I guess in some ways that also was a good thing because it has taught us a lot about communicating with each other. And when you're in an office all together, I think a lot can go unsaid, but now it can't go unsaid. It just has to be communicated. And the things, the typical frustrations of an office don't really exist because you can't roll your eyes if you're frustrated with somebody. You just need to tell them, you know? You need to say, hey, I don't think that this is the right idea today, or I don't think that we're asking the right questions. You can't just sort of shrug it off as you might in an office setting. If you want something communicated, you can't just assume your body language is going to communicate it. You have to actually say it. So there has been... Um, there has been an element of transparency that I think has been helpful in, in not being together in the office. See, see, we here like to let things go unsaid and we like yeah. to stay home and then stew about why we're mad at each other. And then absolutely. And then you it guys usually can roll your eyes on, on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's really I need to scream about work every day. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, I got a couple of questions and maybe some of these you won't answer, but I'm, I'm hoping you will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the, who you were the most excited ever about booking this guest. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were, I thought you were, is this a quiz or is this a, well, I mean, hopefully you is know there the a answers. right answer to this? <laughs> They're not a right answers. It's a, it's a lightning round. That's right. The most excited <laughs> for this show specifically? Any show. Any like show. The, the biggest, the, the most excited you've ever been to get a guest for lined up for a show. Oh my gosh. That's way too hard of a question. And we've already I mentioned, love- we've already mentioned John Selleck on this podcast once, so it can't be. So, <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to stay, I'm going to stay with my time at Stateside because I, t- okay. I could, I could give you three different answers. Do you want three different answers? Three, yeah, that's good. Okay. So, so with Stateside, it was actually Justin Amash, which doesn't really... When did that happen? I've, I've no... Okay, so that's, that's why it was so exciting. I've known Justin since he was a state legislator, and I used to talk to him a lot because I found him to be a very valuable source because he actually read the bills he was voting on, and he's the most consistent lawmaker that I've ever met in my life. And so I've known him for a long time. The biggest mistake I ever made was not realizing that he was going to go to Congress and deleting his cell phone number from my phone. (laughs) So now I have tried to always book Justin through Twitter direct messages, which is not always the easiest thing to do. He has, since he has become a national voice, ignored my Twitter requests 
95% of the time. I get it, right? He's a big guy now. So we, I actually, he responded to my tweet the day I saw that he was declaring his independence. It was Independence Day last year when he said he was leaving the Republican Party. I was at my in-law's cabin for the holiday and I woke up and I read that and I tweeted him directly. And I was like, oh my God, please come on the show and talk about this. And he actually responded and he was like, okay. And so we had the first big interview with him on the show in the state. Uh, and I was so excited <laughs> to book somebody I had already known for a long time. Um, but that was, that was really exciting. Well, Justin would be a good interview on any given day, I think. He's a great interview. Yeah. And he's just a really interesting dude. So that's the, but then, okay. So when I was starting my career, the most excited I ever was for an interview was I thought I was going to be a hip hop writer. That was my, that was when I went to journalism graduate school out in California, that was my goal. Wait, wait, hold on. Like you were going to write for double XL or you were going to yeah. write actual hip hop. No, no. <laughs> I, I sing show tunes. I don't rap. Okay. Um, but I have been a fan of rap and hip hop for a very long time and wanted to, I wanted to write for some of the like more alternative, um, magazines that were covering hip hop at the time and more like underground hip hop because this is where I, Nick, I this is where Nick Blue hijacks the interview and we yeah, spend please, 45 Nick, minutes just, talking just about do what you want to do here. <laughs> I'm going to let her talk. Right. So I'm fascinated I, though. So it turns out you can't make a living writing for alternative hip hop magazines that were failing at the time anyway. And magazines are struggling to stay afloat. So I, I decided that I would pursue politics and uh, my life has been misery ever since. But, um, I got an interview with Grandmaster Flash um, in person, and I was the most nervous I've ever been in my entire life to go do this interview, but so excited. I took a photographer with me. It was going to be in print. It was, I can't tell you how excited I was. I felt like, okay, this is where my career is going to be really launched. I went to that and he was the meanest, rudest, least wanting to talk human being on the face of the planet. And I was covering him about this book he wrote and I read the whole book and I got progressively more nervous, the more cagey he got. And so I became the worst interviewer and he became just a terrible subject. And I get that he's done a million interviews and maybe he didn't want to speak with this, you know, quasi fan reporting white girl from Michigan about, his legacy. But I was like, if Terry Gross can do a great interview, why can't I? And, uh, cause she has like the best interview with him ever. So anyway, um, that's a, that's a really good story, but I think the best part was Laura nodding her head. Like she knew who you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> can we leave this in here? I mean, what if we wanted to have him on? I feel like this is going to burn that bridge. Uh, I'm just going to tell you now it's a tough interview. I would put Nick on it and just let him go. It's a, I'm, up for a challenge. <laughs> I'm up for a challenge. But isn't that disappointing though? <laughs> there's, there's somebody you've built up to talk to or, or somebody you've built up in your mind or you followed them for a while. I, and I've had this in politics where um, there's a candidate, for instance, that you've, you've worked for, you've, um, you've volunteered for or whatever, and then you, you meet them on the trail or you get to spend some time with them. And he's just a jerk. 
it's it's disappointing and it's that whole like you shouldn't you shouldn't meet the people that you want to meet the most right like the celebrities you love the most you shouldn't meet them because um it's it's never it's never gonna pan out so consequently i never want to meet andre 3000 because he just uh or erica badu these are my favorite human beings and um I never have interviewed them and I know people who have and they said they were delightful, but I never want to do it because it would just be really hard for me to, for that to go the way of Grandmaster Flash. You've got a great story though. Uh, I guess. Yeah. It's a story about how terrible of an interview it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad story. So that's two. Who's your third? Okay. So this would be for Detroit today. Huh. You know, I, it's weird. It, this one, this is going to be a little bit of a cheating answer. But um, it's less about who I booked to to be a guest on the show, more about who I uh, was part of uh, hosting, the, <laughs> booking to host the show. I didn't hire him, but finding out that Stephen Henderson was going to host our show after Craig Folly left um, was just one of the best moments in my career because I knew we were going to be able to take that show places that were really different and special than anything I'd ever done before. And uh, so my boss hired him, but I, you know, I was part of the process and figuring out who it would be. And so our, our guest turned into our host and that was pretty cool. Very cool. So you may have just answered this question, but I wanted to ask you who you were the most excited to book who became the biggest disappointment. Oh, Did you just answer this oh, question? No, definitely. Yeah, Grandmaster Flash. Although I didn't book him, I was handed that interview. Let's see. The um, well, there was this guy who I built up to everybody. I was like, he's so funny and smart, and he understands. And he used to work for Dick Postumus, and I think that he'll be great talking about politics. And then it turned out his wife Brenda was just much better. Yes, I've been disappointing from that moment all the way to this day, and but not Brenda. That's funny. Uh, no, I, I, you know, there have there there are guests all the time that you think are just going to be the most articulate, pithy, interesting person, and then as soon as they get on air, they clam up. And it's usually lawyers. Lawyers um, are great for giving you background information, but then once they get on air, they know that their words need to be chosen very carefully. It's their practice. So um, lawyers don't generally make very great guests. Occasionally they do. Um, Deb LaBelle be, is a huge exception to that rule. She, she's an Ann Arbor lawyer who has worked on uh, juvenile justice issues and juvenile lifers for a long time. And she's like the one lawyer that I know is going to be amazing. But I, I think that there are plenty of guests, academics and lawyers, who are just great off air and then you get them on and they're just kind of clam up. Do you have a bucket list? or a, a, a bucket person of someone who you've a bucket loved, person, someone you'd love to try to get on. It's got to include the furious five, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I want to ask them what grandmaster flash was like. Re- uh, redeem that original interview. <laughs> um, I feel like this, I feel like this episode is going to need a translator at some, like being <laughs> <laughs> a hip hop translator. Nick can take over. Um, oh, you know, this would probably fit into the category of Grandmaster Flash as somebody who probably would not be a great interview, but I think Jack White would be really interesting. Um, 
but maybe he wouldn't be at all. He might be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Does anybody care about Jack Wade outside of Detroit? Yes. I don't know. That's a great question. That's huge. Is he huge? He is, but it's really hard sometimes to know. You know, he's dead now, so it won't work. But did you guys see that story about the Jack White's death? (laughs) No, not Jack White. (laughs) We just killed Jack White on the Colorado podcast. What? There was this. There's this amazing obit published in the Washington Post a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Did you see this about the guy who's been telling everybody his entire life? This author, acclaimed author. H.G. Oh, I forget his last name. Anyway, I was going to Google it, but I'm here. Um, He has been, uh, he had been telling people his entire life, including his husband and multiple close friends, everybody around him, that he was a Cuban American whose father had fled Castro's Cuba. And so he wrote this book about it too. I mean, it was, it was fiction. Um, He, 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 he wrote this novel based on the experience of Cuban Americans. And it turns out he was, when his obit, he died of COVID, okay, and, and just a few weeks ago. And he, when his obituary, which was incredible, was published in the Washington Post, his sister from Detroit reached out and was like, he's from Detroit. <laughs> And his husband learned that he was from Detroit for the first time. And his mom had always been really sad that after his acclaim, he never claimed Detroit. He claimed he was from Cuba. And those are the types of people I actually love booking far more than any sort of names. My dream bookings are incredible stories because as a listener, I'm sure you guys know Gary Peters is a really important person, but he's never going to tell you a story that just makes you want to sit there. And I don't mean to call out Gary Peters specifically, but big name people in our state, (laughs) big name people in our state, uh, lawmakers and celebrities and uh, athletes. These folks have been so media trained. They're never going to give you a story that just makes you want to sit there in your driveway. We call them driveway moments. They never give you those stories that just make you want to sit there for 20 minutes, riveted to every word. But like that author, oh, I really wish we could have gotten him to talk about that before he passed away. Well, I wonder and, what story H. would you... H.G. Carrillo, is that... Yes, H.G. Okay. Carrillo. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. I wonder which story you would have gotten. I, he would have given us the false story, but if that story had come out beforehand, <laughs> could we have talked... To, I mean, we still could talk to his family maybe, but, you know, these... You could have brought his sister and his mom on afterwards or have him come on, tell his story, and then have bring the sister on and I, say... You know, it's lying. just... These amazing stories, there's so many of them out there. And what I love about Michigan and why I love doing this show, we had an intern once who said, there's something weird about Michiganders. You guys are all obsessed with your state in a way that most people are not obsessed with their state. And she was from uh, Pennsylvania. And she was like, you guys all have shirts with with Michigan on it, talking about what parts of the state you love and like... (laughs) That That's is very true. true. I'm a Hoosier. I know it. Just, it's, it is. It's see true. what I'm saying? It yes. is. It's true. It's probably really annoying, isn't it, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> there are other people that do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's so great. I, I, it just, the state is full of incredible stories that need to be told. So how are you figuring out during this time? And I guess maybe this question would be different maybe a week ago um, before everything that's happened over the last few days. But one thing that we've been dealing with as a PR firm is when 
is the time to not talk about the pandemic anymore. So as you're putting your show together, have you been trying to figure out, okay, do we have to cover COVID today or can we talk about something that's not COVID? Well, right now we can't only talk about COVID because right. of the protests that are, that are sweeping through all these cities. Um, and it's just too much, to be honest. As a human being, it is a lot of heavy information coming at us in a way that makes it virtually impossible to know if you're doing any of them justice because you have to cover them all, but how much space do you give to each? So the question of COVID, when, when can we not talk about it anymore? I think we're not gonna be able to stop talking about it until 70 to 80% of the population is immunized, whether by vaccine or by herd immunization. I mean, as long as it's a story that involves outbreaks and a significant change of life for everybody. I mean, how can we not talk about it? If my kid is only going to be going to kindergarten two days a week, and then I have to online learn with her the other three days, like we have to talk about it in some way. Now, how long are we going to be talking about infection rates? That, that, that's going to change very quickly over the summer. We, uh, as things are opened up and we don't see a surge for however long, we won't talk about infection rates until, until or if we see a second wave come and then we have to go back to that subject. It's just kind of, I don't know, everybody's exhausted with it. Nobody wants to be here talking about it in the way that we have to anymore. But when we talk about going back to normal, there is no normal to go back to right now. So now we have to talk about what, ugh, this phrase, new normal. We have to talk about new normal until we have figured out what that means for all of our institutions. Just think right now, you would probably be on the front porch of the Grand Hotel. Right? Uh, you know, I, I in my Facebook, I am getting all of these uh, images of, you know, yesteryear at the Grand Hotel. Um, and in some ways, I miss that time. I haven't been in a couple of years because I had uh, uh, an infant last year. And um, this was going to be the first year we were going to take stateside there. I was really excited to introduce April to I figured this, this would be her first year in Michigan, right, for this, for the right, Detroit exactly. Regional Chamber Conference? Yep. And we were really excited to launch the show in that way. So I'm really disappointed. And, and honestly, I hate, I hate cars and motors and <laughs> I love fudge and horses. So Mackinac is perfect for me. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, when I see these pictures coming up in my memory feed on Facebook, it feels really incongruous with the time that we're going through right now. I mean, seeing floral prints on couches and green and white stripes all over everything. And then you see protesters swarming the streets and you know that people are stuck at home because of COVID. It's just like, everybody has to wear face masks out in public. It's like, it wouldn't even be the right year for it anyway, you know. It's yeah, just the, the goodie, the goodie long. bag for all the the attendees would have like fifty six face masks with different yes, logos on them. Exactly, I'd have a Delta <laughs> Dental face mask. My Blue Cross Blue Shield face mask. Oh my god! Ugh. And everybody would be wearing them. It'd be really annoying. Yes. But you know, I look back. I look forward to being able to do. I, you know, I don't know Matt Friedman is going to have to tell us soon whether or not it's actually going to happen in August. But how do you have a conference where everybody has to stay six feet apart? And Although if there's one conference I'd like to stay six feet apart from people, <clears throat> that would be one. 
<laughs> the other thing that always gets me about that conference is that after about 16 hours, you've seen everyone on the island, but yet you still have two more days where you're going to pass them on the sidewalk or in the hallway 400 more times. So totally. maybe a face mask would be awesome because you don't have to uh. fake fake that smile like oh hey it's you again for this 18th time no How but see doing? here's the thing your human nature you would already be doing a fake smile still behind the mask That's true. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know um you know the the thing that people i get the criticisms about mackinac it comes off as really elitist in many ways because it is and uh Worst. and and the free drinks thing and the the sort of vice aspect about it um there are a lot of problems with that conference in many ways. Sorry, Sandy Baruha. But the thing that the conference offers is totally intangible. And it, there is something to be said about getting a bunch of really powerful people in a room together during times like these or to solve a big problem because it is the conversation that happens between Mayor Duggan and somebody who's been working on social justice issues that would happen on the Grand hotel porch that they wouldn't normally cross paths. And then, you know, Mayor Duggan did deliver a speech up on Mackinac about redlining in Detroit that moved a lot of people that had never even heard of or thought about housing discrimination. So there is something to be said about what that conference offers in difficult times and getting a lot of movers and shakers to a single table. And I think that that is a bad thing that we're missing that right now because there's a lot that needs to be worked on that Mike Shirky needs to be up there with business leaders in Detroit. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's too bad that we're missing that level of interaction right now. Well, we've tried to, we've tried our, to do our part by bringing the movers and shakers together today oh. on this podcast. So we, I appreciate and I, I think we solved all the problems. Didn't they're we? done. It was, it's been 34 minutes. I think we're good. I think we've, we've, we've nailed them all. And that, folks, is the conclusion yes. of today's episode. <laughs> Laura of Weber Davis. Oatmeal. Thank you so much for being with us. <laughs> oh, guys, it was a delight. Thanks for asking me. I'll talk shop with you all day long. Sounds good. Enjoy <laughs> the porch. Story. Bye. <laughs> yes, bye. not the Grand Hotel. The <laughs> Chateau de Davis is is doing well. I'm um, free drinks whenever masks aren't required. It's much less tacky. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. So Joe, why do you have that baseball bat? I've been playing baseball. With who? Uh, Bobby and... There's the bat. Bobby and, uh, I don't know, just the, my, my friends. <laughs> Instead friends. of lacrosse? <laughs> yeah. Why is it, Matt, that your, Matt, your first movie reference when you see a baseball bat is A Few Good Men... It's not Field of Dreams or Bull Durham. It was or, the way Joe's, it's the way Joe's holding the bat is exactly okay. the way that Tom Cruise <laughs> walked around bat. his apartment. It's my thinking bat walked around his apartment <sighs> with his bat. That's why. That's why. Okay. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to start yelling at Demi Moore any minute. <clears throat> no, I'm sure she's got it coming. <laughs>
What have you been doing, Carly? You're back in East Lansing, right? You got a puppy? Yeah. Did you bring the puppy with you? No. I keep asking uh, my mom if I can bring him, but she tells me no. Hmm. So, we'll see. I'm scared he's going to be huge the next time I'm there. He probably will. Yeah, you they know, there, grow fast. There's a solution to this. Get another puppy. I can't do that all by myself. <laughs> Easy. Too much work. It is way too much work just for one person. Easy for Nick to recommend that to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. yes. We we have two cats. I could do a cat. Cats are, cats are easy. Cats are, cats so are easy. a lot easier than dogs. Nikki, how's your puppy doing? Is he walking around again? She, she is doing sorry. very well. Thank you for asking. Yes, she's walking around and going to physical therapy because she's bougie. Um, <laughs> she's doing really well. <laughs> Dog physical therapy. Well, we had to make sure that she was okay, and that seemed like the best way to do it. So, she's walk. She's doing hydrotherapy where she's walking in water to strengthen her muscles. Very nice. Sounds sounds delightful. <laughs> What's up with yeah. you, Nick? Anything anything from the home front to report before we wrap up? Oh my goodness! Well, the boys are wrapping up their last week of school this week, which means my last week of helping them do dittos. Um, that's what what passes for school, but they're pretty excited about that. And, we're pretty excited to not have the, the daily arguments about you have to do your math ditto or Sarah's more excited than I am because the most of the responsibility falls to her. She's wonderful and saintly and I'm blessed to have her. I'll be honest. I, I miss school. I'm in my fourth day of no school because the boys technically their last day is tomorrow, but it all stopped right. But it all stopped last week and at least it was something to do. We argued and fought about it for six hours a day. <laughs> But at least it was something to do. And right now they just walk down at 845 with this blank stare on their face and eat a cold bagel and then complain for the next six months. Why don't you months. just send them out? <laughs> send them outside. Yeah, Come go outside. Like Joe, Joe, it's too hot, Joe. It's too oh. wet, Joe. Too <laughs> I don't well, care. Deal with it. <laughs> toss a book in their lap. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a long Well, summer. they just said day camps can open, Matt. So that's I right. think... Find the first one that you can that's going to open and enroll them. Yeah, the pool will open soon. <laughs> yeah, the pool. That's what, yeah, Cooper was, Cooper came up to me yesterday because it was super hot and he goes, when is the governor going to open the pool? Yes, <laughs> is as good Monday. as mine, buddy. <laughs> anyway, it's been good to see you guys again on the podcast, Zoom. Laurel Weber Davis is always a good guest. Good to have her on. Her accents were awesome. Stephanie's going to be so upset that she did missed you watch that. real quick, Matt. Did you watch, um, or did you listen to Conan's thing? I haven't, that I told you? I okay. haven't yet. But I have to. Me that. You need to listen to it. I haven't. That made me think so, of Jack White because doesn't Jack White sing the intro song to Conan's podcast? Mm -hmm. Yes. So. Yeah. I, I wonder if she had such a tough time with Grandmaster Flash because she was doing those accents. That would, <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that would probably start things off. That could off be it. And more herself, he would have been more open. Maybe. Kinda, um, it kind of made me wonder as she was talking, you know, she's talking about biggest person she wanted to interview or, you know, was most intimidated by. And I was like, who was I, whether it be interviewed or just meeting. And then I was like, oh yeah, anytime I meet or have a chance to be near any famous people, I talk a big game. And then I just quietly sit there and say nothing to them. 
That's the least, for, that's for the least example. surprising thing I've heard in a long time. Yeah, do you have any? I know. I, to- I don't know why. <laughs> I totally clam up around famous people, like totally all together. I act like I'm going to be this like, like no big deal to meet them. And then I just clam up and basically say zero words. Who's the most famous person you've no, ever met? No, that's surprising. I, I met the, the Property Brothers. You know, they have their show on each. <laughs> Those guys are and losers. You talk to them? Well, no, I got, I got nervous and intimidated but we we did wind up getting a picture with them but it was not of my doing um so reality tv stars are that's the the place where yeah that is the lamest level of they're famous are they they're super (laughs) super scary ish i'd say they are super tall though that was kind of intimidating okay well, who did you meet that was famous that you were cool, calm, and collected around? So most of my famous people are, you know, political, and I've I've always done particular. I, I've always been fine. I mean, when I met President Bush, it was great. Um, Rudy Giuliani, John McCain, Mitt Romney, all those guys. I spent some time with some of them, and they were wonderful. The the only time Laura Ingram, I actually spent a good amount of time with back in the day. I spent. Are you, you going to tell the Laura Ingram story? We don't I'm have not going to tell the Laura Ingram, tell the Laura Ingram story. story right now. No. Oh, um, that's the, a good one. We need a whole one, episode just about the Laura Ingram story. I, I actually wish it had been someone else now watching sort of what her programs become, but it, it was a, it was a story I enjoyed telling for years. Um, the one time that I sort of clammed up that I, I found myself speechless it, and I think it's because I just didn't know it was going to happen. And then it happened. Um, I was at a, a fundraiser, um, in Oakland County, probably 2006. And uh, I, the person I was with sort of tapped me on the shoulder and I turned around and said, hey, Nick, I'd, I'd like to introduce you to Luther Ellis. And uh, Luther Ellis was a, a multi-time pro bowler, all pro with the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. defensive lineman. But he actually ended his career as a Denver Bronco. And this is at the time when he, he, was a, he had just come off his last season as a Bronco and he, was, he had become the team's chaplain. Um, at that point. And so he was like, he was a Denver Bronco. I'd never met a Bronco before. And, and he's met, he's huge. Like nobody can see me on this, but I'm doing the thing with my hands where he's, he's massive, this giant man. Yeah. He stuck his hand out to shake my hand. And I just, I totally, (laughs) I like, I, (laughs) I, I froze. I completely froze. Uh, I was going to ask you, what would happen if John Elway, you meet John Elway and John Elway happens to be just a jerk who thinks you are boring and has no interest in talking to you. Like that was, I'd blame myself. (laughs) 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 I would, I would go home and dwell on all the ways that I'm a jerk and uninteresting. (laughs) But he wouldn't be Joe. I mean, Joe or Nick, based on his abilities to, to, uh, uh, evaluate quarterback talent i'm not sure that he'd be the best judge of your character so i wouldn't take that too did, seriously. did you watch drew lock last year matt <laughs> no i didn't yeah, you better be careful man we've got I'm our sorry. Answer. what have i done i'm so we've sorry got a, we've got our answer <laughs> oh. nikki is already irritated and it's been a whole 15 seconds of football talk <laughs> i'm done she's, she's waiting for another zoom crash i'm out I am- <laughs> <laughs> okay well we I just blank it out we won't punish you anymore, Nikki. We will wrap it up. Thank you. Laura Weber Davis, thank you so much for being with us on the Cold Oatmeal Podcast. Uh, Nick, Joe with his bat, Carly, welcome. Laura, uh, Nikki, thanks all for being with us. 
This is Matt Resch. This has been the Cold Oatmeal Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.